This episode of The Energy Pipeline is sponsored by Caterpillar Oil & Gas. Since the 1930s, Caterpillar has manufactured engines for drilling, production, well service, and gas compression. With more than 2,100 dealer locations worldwide, Caterpillar offers customers a dedicated support team to assist with their premier power solutions. The Energy Pipeline is your lifeline to all things oil and gas, to drill down deep into the issues impacting our industry. From the frack site to the future of sustainability, hear more about industry issues, tools, and resources to streamline and modernize the future of oil and gas. Welcome to the Energy Pipeline. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Energy Pipeline. I'm your host, Jordan Yates. And today I am joined by a new guest, Matt Morse, and one of my lovely co-hosts, Adriana. Adriana, say hello. Hi, everyone. Good to be back on the on the second podcast for me. So excited to be here. And Adriana, you know Matt, right? Yes, yeah, so we we see each other at work here and there. So I'm I know some of the bits and pieces he might say, but there's some questions here that I have myself. So excited to hear of all the fun stuff that he's doing. Matthew, say hello. Uh, good morning. Thank you very much for having me today. Uh, of course, not that it was my choice. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> no, guys, Matt. So as you know, um, Caterpillar is a sponsor of this podcast. So we get like this exclusive access to some of their really awesome employees to interview because Cat is such an amazing company and they have so many good resources. So Matt is a part of the Caterpillar team, which is something I'm excited for because so far, if you haven't noticed from all my amazing co-hosts, the Caterpillar guys kind of rocks. So Matt, I'm really excited to have you here and get into the digital maintenance revolution episode. How do you feel, Matt? Uh, The bar is being set awfully high, but you know, (laughs) I'm here to enlighten and hopefully make people smile. So let's see, we do this. Wonderful. Okay. Well, if your questions don't work, then we will tell them a joke at the end. All right. Perfect. Those I have many of. (laughs) Okay, Matt, I'm just going to get us going with our first question, which is going to be, how crucial is training and ensuring operational efficiency and minimizing site mistakes within the oil and gas industry? Uh, Big question. Um, Yeah. (laughs) I I think everyone would agree it's very critical. Um, I, I think we are an industry that requires a lot of safe practices, Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you hear a lot of us talk about putting safety first, and that is always true in our mindsets. But another way of ensuring those safe practices is making sure that we are uh, efficient and we know what to do on the operational side. When you have a misunderstanding or a lack of knowledge, you take risks that you don't even know. Yeah. Um, and a lot of what we do is risk aversion, right? Whether it's the risk to our people or to the equipment. That's kind of our number one focus uh, of the day. And I think the industry's safety record, it is not perfect, but it does speak for itself as um, we do risky things. And so we want to minimize that as much as possible. And training is like a pretty good way of making sure that happens. It is. It's a, it's a way to get people familiar with something. Um, training is not the solution. It, it takes uh, time inside the job. It takes experiences. Um, and you also need to be retrained. Um, we'll get into it probably later, but 
Um, you know, I think one of the common mistakes we have is you learned it one time for 15 minutes and now you're an expert. <laughs> it doesn't uh, work like that, unfortunately. Um, and so, so yeah, it is very critical to what we do. Do you guys have, I, I know I had it at a place I worked once, like the days without incident and you like mark every day. That's yes. a green day. <laughs> oh my God. I remember at one of my internships, we had it and it was like got green for like 60 days and we're just so stressed. We're so anxious because we're like <laughs> the longer the streak is just more and more pressure. And you're like, no, 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 no. And then something happens and it's like, oh gosh, it almost hurts more when you're like wiping your whiteboard back off and you're like, yes. okay, back to square one. <laughs> well, you make a good point. I mean, again, the idea with that is to show the success. It's not to add the stress, mm -hmm. but it ends up doing that because people do care, right? People yeah. are invested. They want to make it home to their loved ones. And unfortunately, some of the things we do to make sure they understand where we are uh, also, unfortunately, add another stressor to them where you end up <laughs> making a mistake because you're nervous about, you know, not having that streak continue. So yeah, you're spot on. And with, and with training, I'd just like to add, you know, it's it's a big safety element, right? Being able to do it the right way with mm -hmm. the right tools and the right process. And if they're doing it the right way, the process will more or less take the time that you're expecting it to, right? I think it ties into so many other things. So that way you can plan ahead and not only your people are doing it safely, right? But they're doing it the right way and in a standardized way that you can do some decisions on for the future. So like the training brings so much to the picture, but obviously safety's first, but there's so many other things that come with it. Yeah. At point. So I guess like this kind of naturally leads us into the next question, which is what can, what measures can a company take to ensure that employees are well-trained? Like what's an actual process or like a system of tracking it? Because sure you could have trainings, but is there a good way to automate, Hey, we're due for a training or, um, these other trainings need to be done or maybe an yeah. effective way of doing them. Like how can, you know, kind of technology plus regular methods help? I think you kind of hit it on it. Like I said before, I, I think a problem we have is uh, a lot of times, you know, we mistake the experience for uh, the lack of a need of training, mm -hmm. right? We say someone has done this job for a long time. They're doing it perfect. There hasn't been a mistake. Um, and I think we have surprised ourselves even internally when we audit and audit's probably the number one thing I'd say that helps us measure the successes of AR people and to our training. Mm -hmm. um, because then you actually have to prove that you have the knowledge. It's sunk in. You are using it. You're doing it the way that we anticipate that you're doing it. You're doing it the way in which uses the engineering controls we have in place to be safe. Um, so I, I think auditing is something that we don't often take the time to do mm -hmm. because it isn't necessarily revenue generating. Yeah. Right. It's really more for an internal um, function and less external. But I think it all bleeds over. I, I, I honestly think that um, it's an area that we could probably all do more of to make sure that, again, our efforts are actually making a difference to the guys on the front line of something. Yeah. Is OK. So I have a question that's maybe a little bit of a tangent, but I personally am so, so, so forgetful. And you could tell me something and it's instantly out of my head. I forgot. You're probably like, don't put your hand on the hot <laughs> stove. And I'm like, you know what? I wonder what the hot stove feels like. So it's like, I'm curious if at Caterpillar or another company you've worked with or seen has a way, like a quick way to reference kind of like the guidelines of like, say you're about to operate a machine and has there been any sort of like relevant training materials that could be like nearby or quickly accessed where 
if somebody is operating it after not doing it for a while, or they're just having, you know, a bit of a lapse in remembering, like, is there something you've seen that helps with that? Yeah. So yeah, it's funny you bring that up. We had a a customer similar situation where, I mean, you just couldn't beat into the people which you needed them to do <laughs> every day. And so what ended up actually working and cause you know, this goes, there's no one size fits all solution for mm-hmm. anything that any of us do, even if it's the same industry, the, you know, circumstances around us are all very different, but we end up having to make laminated flashcards uh, oh. and back pocket size. The guys can reference their, an abridged version of the training, but they have the key points that they need to remember. And and it, it's funny, one of the first pages on it was literally in very large text, just pay attention, congratulations, <laughs> you're looking at the card. Because again, you don't want someone to feel as though that, you know, they don't, they're not performing like they should to go back to the reference material. Mm-hmm. The reference material is there to ensure that you're performing. Uh, and if you need a reminder, that is okay. And so, yeah, it okay. actually worked quite well for them. And yes, we had to laminate them because the first batch wasn't back oh, of jeans, Texas, sweaty pockets. You'll go oh. down that path. But, uh, <laughs> so it, it ended up working quite well. I'm sure that being a, a person out in the field or wherever, it gives you some comfort having these flashcards, right? Because you go through training, it might take days. And you might think, you know, I, I don't really remember everything. So these flashcards, as you're out there, right, I'm sure it gives them some type of comfort and being like, I, I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm supposed to do. At least the yep. main important things or key takeaways are here in my back pocket to refer, reference down the line. So that's a pretty neat, neat way to to help them with training. Yeah. And I know, you know, also something we've done is we've put we've made stickers for the equipment. So, again, it's in their face. It's at the point of use. Uh, and that that is that is the key to this is, again, it's that kind of that training culture, mm-hmm. right? Training, again, is not one size fits all. You're going to have to do multiple things. And so we have found with some customers that it just, you got to go the extra step. You got to, in safety meetings in the morning, you got to repeat the, you know, hey, how did we do yesterday? It's that auditing aspect, that mentality of we're only going to get better. Um, and so, yeah, it's it's been an interesting journey to help people come up with new and inventive ways to make sure the information sticks. Yeah, so... For me, I'm very old school, even for my young age. And I like having the note card would be awesome. I wish you could make me one every day for my to-do <laughs> task and laminate it. Unfortunately, you have a full-time job from what I hear. Right. Um, uh, sometimes. <laughs> but is there any way that you guys integrate technology into this? like, it, Or is it still kind of uh, more the manual stuff? Or is there like a technology aspect that you guys use to help track this? I mean, there's a blend of both. Uh, our mm-hmm. customer base is like, you know, also, you know, probably our listening base. Uh, some are very receptive to technology. <laughs> others are not. And so, you know, we have to go down both paths and we do offer solutions in both um, both areas. You know, the thing that's nice about technology, um, it, it enhances what the human element is achieving. Mm-hmm. It is not a replacement for it. The technology is not perfect. Yes, the computers, uh, you know, they don't take days off, but there is still maintenance around technology. And, you know, to kind of tie this into our general topic here, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's a place in where we've seen a lot of shortcomings. People install a sensor and then they want to forget about the human element of hey, is that <laughs> sensor calibrated. Is it yeah. functionally doing what it's supposed to? Um, and so, you know, again, it, it's a, it isn't a one size fits all solution. I have probably said that too many times already on the podcast, but it's just um, true. You're it's just true. Truth. It is what it is. 
Um, and just talk, talking about that sensor that you said, Matt, obviously you get data, but like you said, the human element, someone needs to go through that data, right? And what do you analyze it or give you some more feedback? So the machine itself doesn't really give you all you need in your day-to-day, would it? You're spot on. And I think that's it too. Having data is half of the solution. The other half is having people that understand and can decipher what it is. Because oh, no. even though the computer doesn't turn off and it provides all this information, if you don't understand what it's providing to you, you can't build a preventive maintenance plan or a reaction plan that actually ends up ensuring you the uptime that you thought you were going to get with the technology investment. Makes sense. So... I'm going to ask you a question. And with my experience in manufacturing, (laughs) every maintenance manager out there is about to just tune out because these are their (laughs) least two favorite words. Preventative maintenance. Yes. (laughs) Anytime I I would bring it up, they're like, go away. I don't want to do that. I have enough regular maintenance. But if you look at it from someone who's not on the shop floor or on the rig and you look at it from a high level corporate perspective, they love preventative maintenance. But a lot of times the guys implementing it, they're kind of like stretched thin and just trying to do regular maintenance. So what is your opinion on preventative maintenance and things that you've seen that are like not horribly difficult to implement in ways that you can make it easier? Uh, Yeah, it's funny you say that. I think it always, you know, we talk like boots on the ground versus, you know, people in the ivory tower. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we put the stress on them to complete a their job and then also take care of the equipment. And yes, it's referred to as a, a, you know, um, a necessary evil, if you will. Mm -hmm. Um, At the end of the day, I mean, as someone who spends most of their professional life working with equipment and working on preventive maintenance plans, um, it is, it's a, it's a highly important thing, uh, that needs to be completed. And the reason why you're going to save a limited amount of time today, but it's going to catch up to you sometime in the future. And mm-hmm. when we really look at the efficiency required now from our industry, um, to be profitable and to be competitive, um, a, you can't have the downtime and B, you're looking for how to be as efficient with your money as you can. And, um, I think we have to get over the fact that it does take time and there are things that we have to do. We call it preventative maintenance, but at the end of the day, it's planned, right? It's mm-hmm. we're following a schedule that we have set forth that the equipment needs uh, to be successful. Just like us, we need to eat, sleep, we need to be ready. We need to look at our flashcards. Uh, you know, the equipment needs something similar to that. It needs uh, to be in a nice environment. And if it's really hot, we need to cool it down. And if uh, we're not taking regular samples of of how it's doing, we don't actually know the health of it. And so we're just kind of guessing. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, it might not affect the individual who's decided to skip the maintenance right then, but it's going to. Yeah. And uh, when you get the opportunity to look at the equipment from a, a very, you know, 60,000 foot view aspect, um, it's easy to pick out the units where people have decided to skip what is a necessity <laughs> uh, because they're not they're not as profitable. They're not as uh, as you know, they're not as easy to rebuild. You end up spending more money on parts you didn't need to because you wouldn't take the 10, 15, 20 minutes, whatever it needs uh, to complete the task at hand. And I think you mentioned being efficient with your investments, which really caught my caught my ear when you said it, because when you purchase something, right, they tell you it's going to last X amount of hours or whatever it may be, but it's very contingent on preventive maintenance, right? Because otherwise, you know, what's that life going to be? And that's something that we really don't think about 
when we purchase an investment, right? And if you do the right preventive maintenance, it will reach that life. If you don't, then, you know, it's up to you how much it's going to last or not. So, and it's, it's a, a it's kind of a segue into something else. I mean, we, we, as an equipment provider, we set forth, a, you know, I'd say a very robust, consistent maintenance plan for our customers. Mm-hmm. But again, it's got to be a, a kind of adaptable to their behaviors, you know, a crew that's running in Canada in the dead of winter, in one that's in West Texas in the summer, those are very different environments. They need very different things. And, um, you know, I, th- I think probably a service we offer, but we don't offer maybe enough is, uh, at least our customer bases, we can assist with those plans. You know, if you have a question about the equipment, um, reach out to us um, so that, you know, at the end of the day, we want the equipment to, um, you know, have a robust life for our customer base, for it to be efficient, for it to be a good value. Um, And we want to work together to achieve that. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not when it leaves our factory, it becomes just their responsibility, right? Our name is still on the side of it. And uh, it's crucial to us to make sure they're supported. So I know guys listening, people are like, this is a Caterpillar sponsored podcast. We don't want the Caterpillar sales pitch. But for me, I... I'm actually like really curious. So I'm going to ask you some pretty Caterpillar specific yeah. questions because I think our listeners also are listening think, okay, Caterpillar is a pretty renowned company. They have some really cool stuff and maybe we want to get into the details a little. So whether or not you guys want to hear it, I'm going to be selfish because I want to hear a little bit of this and I think you all will find it interesting too. So Matt, I, I know this is, I probably should have done my research, but in your day job, like what, products slash services does Caterpillar sell or I guess make or deliver whatever word you want to use for customers say pick pick like is it oil and gas that you guys are mostly in is it manufacturing like who's your who's your main customer type and then what kinds of things do you guys provide for them is it the equipment you said some service can you lay it out for me because I I'm not entirely certain yeah. Uh, so yes, Cat is well-known brand, right? Worldwide. Uh, we're in nearly every industry um, in some capacity. It could be from loose engine sales into something that we um, we don't make as a turnkey product. Um, it could be something completely different. Um, we are getting more into the advanced power applications than we probably ever have in the past. Um, you know, that term of energy transition is kind of on the horizon for us. Mm-hmm. Um, we are... Um, uh, we are a lineage of reciprocating engine experts, but as technology grows, so does our needs uh, and the equipment's needs uh, to kind of adapt with the change. Mm-hmm. And so as far as what we offer, it's again, it's a full suite of, um, we'll call it solutions for the customer. Okay. Um, so you could buy an asset from us and run it yourselves and only contact us when you have a problem. That's probably mm-hmm. the, the you know, lease involvement that we could have in the equipment. The flip side to that is also we can install telematics. Um, I mean, we are becoming a um, company of connected assets. Mm-hmm. Um, we can monitor the equipment for you. We can do it passively, just give you reports of, you know, what those, what those devices need and what the outcomes are and how efficient you're being. We can also go the next step and we can provide full-time local or remote fleet management. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a, a large portion of the team that works for me. We implement and execute um, these large contracts that are highly focused on monitoring the equipment. I think for a long time we have taken, again, going back to that, that experience 
that it transitions with the change in technology. Yeah. It does it doesn't always. Just because you were perfect at one of our engines in the 90s doesn't mean that you don't need some help on a new product that we released this year. And um, that's where we come in. The that's where the telematics comes in. That's where the experts come in. These guys' entire professional life is guaranteeing that that piece of equipment um, survives. And it can be from simple intervention. Uh, it can be from recommendations. It can be from, you know, we stock or strategize parts consumption for their local dealer or mm-hmm. for themselves. Um, again, it's a it's a problem solving business. Uh, for us now, it's not just, you know, buy the engine, have fun. You're going to love it. Uh, we're kind of there, you know, cradle to grave. If you look at it from the equipment side. Um, and can you define what telematics are in case sure. our listeners don't know, AKA in case I don't, know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to blame uh, the listeners. for that's, everything. That's, I love it. That's a, no. Uh, so on the majority of our equipment, almost everything that we make, um, there is some sort of local controller, Mm-hmm. Um, that is taking information. It's like the the brains of the operation, if you will. Okay. Um, and that local controller um, is going to provide uh, streaming information to um, a satellite or a cell based radio, mm-hmm. and that that is what we are getting information to. You know, the back of the house. The, okay. Uh, you know, all that information is coming through over some sort of wireless connection, a satellite or cell base. Um, into our side. And then we have algorithms, information teams um, that are running in the background that are deciphering it, that are, you know, we have machine side alarms that are going to give you an alert to say like, hey, you're running outside of a temperature range. Um, Mm -hmm. Things like that. Again, it goes back to the telematics feed the information into um, to us. And then our people are deciphering what it looks like and then either directly calling a customer to have some sort of emergency intervention of, hey, we've noticed this is a problem. You need to react now. Mm-hmm. Um, and the point of that is not to, again, interrupt their business, but to save their asset. Yeah. Right. We are trying to that preventive term and preventative maintenance. We're trying to prevent. We're trying to, you know, get there before there is a, a failure on the equipment that actually is downtime. And the asset would be like, can you give me an example of what you mean by yeah, asset? I mean, it, it can be, uh, you know, an engine itself. It could mm-hmm. be, you know, we, we have, I mean, we're well known for our construction uh, equipment. It could be, um, you know, a dozer or a motor grader or, you know, something along those lines. No matter the industry, if it has a Caterpillar engine tied to it, we probably have some sort of um, connected access, or excuse me, uh, connected asset option for you mm-hmm. where that device is talking back to us. So Caterpillar's always listening. Always. There's <laughs> microphones everywhere. <laughs> you hear that, guys? Don't <laughs> crap talk Caterpillar in front of their equipment. Right. A will hear it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so if you sell them the equipment, yes, like ma'am. you said, an asset, you said it's most likely it already has the, <laughs> you said telematics was the word you used. Look at what you if <laughs> I know I'm so smart. I'm an engineer, you know, um, <laughs> if you have, say, if they have like a motor or engine or something that already exists, could they purchase from you the telematics to add on to that? And then you monitor their system that way? Or is it more that you guys just monitor the systems that you sell and manufacture? Yes and yes. It all it all depends. I mean, mm-hmm. there's such an array of things that we have made over the years 
Um, we have a long history of you know product longevity, so there might be a one-off chance where it's an older device that we couldn't adapt to. I'm not aware mm-hmm. of that today, but mm-hmm. um, never want to put a bookend on something that we say yeah. about we can or cannot. <laughs> um, but generally speaking, I mean, you know, the sky is the limit when it comes to what we can do to either upgrade or to um, you know increase their visibility. A lot of times, our equipment has these options and the. Maybe the customer wasn't even aware of that. Maybe they mm-hmm. were so focused on the application that they needed from the equipment that they actually didn't know that these things are um, available to them. And again, it goes back to that relationship is there whether they knew it or not. You can yeah. reach out to a local CAD dealer. You can reach out to your industry or accounting managers here You know, on the corporate side. Um, uh, you'd be surprised how much information training uh is available expertise uh to these folks you kind of you know you buy the product you buy into the family and Mm -hmm. so you know it's a it's a suite of products that um you know we're here to support is there like a you said you guys can track the data is there like a caterpillar software that this goes into that like the customer would get like uh, access to or is it kind of you get the raw data and then you choose like a third party that will like I don't know, uh, parse your data for you and turn it into something like what's that look like on the, on the user end? A uh, good question. It, it's a little bit of both, not so much mm-hmm. the third party, but, um, you know, we, all of our devices like your automobile have a way for us to talk to them locally. Mm-hmm. So we can plug cat ET electronic technician, um, into a data port and we can pull information off of the device, whether it's been talking to, um, you know, the back of the house or not. So we have the option of doing that on all of our equipment. Um, that shows histograms. It shows um, the kind of the duty cycle that the device has been running for you since uh, it was put into service. So we have that. That is a, a technology that we license to our customer base. Mm-hmm. We also have a different version for our dealer base because they do, you know, more invasive troubleshooting than the general public. Uh, and then obviously we have that for, you know, the, um, the product groups as well. On top of that, we have multiple web-based systems that customers can get access to. Okay. Um, you know, they can sign agreements with us. It can be um, reporting out. So, you know, you're going to get a Tableau report or a Power BI, that simple of a function. Mm-hmm. Or it can be as complex of all of your equipment can be online, talking, giving you location, uh, giving you parameters, um, in real time on a website. So we have multiple software packages. Again, depends on the industry where that might be. But as far as like the digital aspect is concerned, we have a, a you know a lot of solutions for the customer base. How far back or how long has it been that this whole digital asset has like been an option to like watch this stuff and have the communication. Like, I don't know if you know the history or not. I, I personally don't, but it's weird to think that there was a time you couldn't just remote tap in and go on a website. Cause I mean, the internet's only been around for so long. Like, do you know when it kind of started that this became popular? If you don't, that's okay. I'm just kind of curious. I I don't know, like across the board. And if I say anything, someone's going to, I will get a text message in a second that says like, Hey, that's not right. Um, But I mean, I can speak to the industry I'm the most familiar with on the Uh hydraulic fracturing side. I mean, in frac, we are still, um, you know, our SPM product line of pumps is still the only pump that comes, um, you know, or that is, uh, there's an option where it can come with a full suite of, um, we'll call it, you know, sensors and technology to support the equipment. It hasn't mm-hmm. actually been uh, all that 
uh, all that long. I mean, we released the Gen 1 of, of PEMS, Pump Electronic Monitoring System, uh, I think in the 2016 timeframe. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's it's wild to think we've come as far as we have. Um, a lot of this, again, goes back to it's that buy-in of everyone. You know, um, we are an industry of a lot of very experienced people. And so uh, because they they hang around a long time, getting them to buy into new things is sometimes difficult. I'd say some of our biggest success stories, um, we won't get into customer specific, but you get into behavioral yeah. specific where, you know, if we can get past that day one grumpy, um, <laughs> we're quite successful together. And, you know, at the end of the day, I think their goal and our goal is the same. We want the equipment to, you know, to run well and run often. And that makes everybody happy. If you kind of take away all of the other underlining maybe goals from each other, truly that is what we are here to do together. When you're trying, oh, sorry, Adriana, you go. No, so I, I'm very interested in talking about the sensors, right? Because you say there's sensors, there's a lot of data coming in. And, you know, on our day-to-day, we have maybe an overload of data wherever you see. And I'm sure these sensors come in with just this big amount of data. So, you know, your people, if anything, right, they're the ones that are able to analyze it and provide the customer exactly what they need. So it's not just like the sensor is the solution, right? It's the team behind it that are actually able to provide you with those decisions or at least insight into, you know, you should do this or you should do that in order to get your product or your equipment, you know, running more efficiently. So uh, I'd have to say, you know, the team that you have is definitely a just the biggest part of this all. I know you talk about the sensors, but just saying that they definitely bring big part of that to the table. Thank you. And, you know, I think one mm-hmm. of the things that we tend to forget, like I said, we kind of install a new technology and then we walk away from it. We expect it to solve all of our problems, right? There's no more issues mm-hmm. whatsoever. Um, to give you an example, the it's it, you know there is a lot of data, but we would overwhelm ourselves if we didn't have a way to kind of parse out the majority of it. And mm-hmm. so we do. If you look at our systems, you know, I'd say other people might look at a sensor input every you know once a second. Um, you know, most of our systems are you know. 10,000, 15,000 times a second. And so it would be overwhelming if that just streamed in raw to you. And so there are very complicated algorithms that run on the machine side that kind of edit all of the noise away um, Mm -hmm. so that you're left with, you know, very robust, purposeful information. And, And people ask us all the time, well, I want the raw information. And the thing that is always, you know, um, kind of our responses. I mean, we could give it to you, but it's going to overwhelm to almost every degree that you have. The sensors are so precise. Um, and again, with just the amount of information that's coming back, um, we're doing what we think is the best for the equipment, right? It's the absolute best approach to make it survive, to make it successful for you. And But we also want to make it where it's something that you look at and you... Um, can do more work with. If it's just streaming and raw, what value did we add? We added a really, um, you know, um, precise sensor to the equipment. Uh, I don't think that's actually helping anybody, but, um, you know, again, this is where that feedback and that relationship thing have to be so robust about about what we're doing every day. Absolutely. And Adriana, you said you and Matt are on the same team, right? Yes, but not directly. Um, sometimes we interact because I know a little bit about what he's doing. So that's why I'm also curious asking some questions here and there. Yeah, I was going to ask uh, with you. With the PEM system. 
Yeah. Is, is he, has he been correct so far? Is he saying the right things? <laughs> you know, since I, I'm not able to see that side of things, but you know, I, I get a lot of hearing and all that, you know, the sensors tell him something, but it's about what they do with that information that stands out, right? Oh, the sensor's reaching this level. Well, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. What does that mean to the, what do they need to do to make it better? Right. So that's what I really was trying to bring it with it, right? The sensors say something, but analyzing it and knowing what to do. What, what does that indicator mean to me? What does that indicator mean to the customer is uh, is really the big takeaway. Yeah, absolutely. And just a couple more questions. One for Adriana, actually. So you're pretty interested in sustainability and that aspect of the business. Is there a way that you feel that this ties into sustainability at all? Or am I reaching for, you know, straws here? <laughs> <laughs> You know, I think that being able to maintain your product so that it reaches its end of life, right, that definitely reaches into sustainability. If you're having to purchase um, whatever your product might be in the oil and gas business, right, because you're not really treating it well, that's going to reach out having more, uh, more more product out in the field, more product out uh, uh, for scrap, right? So treating it well and having it perform the way it's supposed to be mm-hmm. is going to provide, you know, the best way when it comes to sustainability, um, I think it just all tie, all ties together when you see it the big picture. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, Matt, a, a bit of a lighter question. Um, so in case I have any younger people starting off, you know, maybe they're in sales, maybe they're in this equipment industry. Um, something I noticed when I was in sales for like manufacturing and I sold like preventative maintenance, machine monitoring, things like that. Um, some of the coworkers that were training me thought the best way to get the guys that were really against this change was to buy them donuts. It didn't seem to work, but the guys would always take the donuts. Um, is there a better way of helping somebody understand the importance of the preventative maintenance and including these digital assets other than donuts or are donuts really the answer? <laughs> I mean, uh, it's actually the best question you've asked so far. I, I think really it's kolaches, you know, everyone oh. goes the, you know, you go the least expensive path with the donuts, but the kolaches really sells the importance <laughs> of the product that you're selling. No, I, I, you know, I've gone down the donuts path myself. It's usually, Aww. you know, we'll call it like an icebreaker. You know, it's a way to get in the door. It's a way for someone to be like, oh, well, thank God you brought something. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I I, think the the approach is a, is sound in the aspect of, um, you know, are you there for more than just the donut? Are they letting you in for, you know, just for the pastry that you brought them? Again, always go kolaches, never go Okay. Um, but, you know, I, I think the approach we have um, – for as much as the equipment does for us or uh, we, and we do for it, um, you know, going and listening to what people need is generally the best way we have found uh, to start helping them out. Um, and a lot of times I think we're in situations where there's passionate people about both the product and how the product's performing. And they probably have valid points in both, both areas. And if there's not the time taken to, um, you know, truly understand their heartburn, then mm-hmm. we're not making the right changes uh, to the equipment and we're not helping them out. So bring the pastry, but also, um, you know, bring a pad of paper, sit down and just start the conversation instead of accusing or analyzing with, you know, hey, I'm here to help you. What can I do? And usually mm-hmm. when people are upset, it does, um, you know, kind of help Um, you know, calm the situation and allow, um, you know, an actual conversation to start. And then 
towards the end of it, you can get into maybe the harder conversations or the more specifics. But I think that's the best advice I can give anyone who's walking into a situation. That's awesome. And how many visits should you bring a pastry for? Or is there like a limit? <laughs> I ask like uh, I'm in sales. I, yeah, I'm like, so, so far from sales. <laughs> I'm actually um, getting hungry. It's breakfast time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, we always joke, it's stickers and hats for us. I oh, mean, I think at all smart. times, there's a cat sticker in my back pocket or my shirt pocket at all times. Uh, the amount of places we can access by giving someone a cat sticker is honestly scary at times, oh my um, goodness. but it's hats. I mean, everyone wants a hat. It doesn't matter if you work in the you know the office or the shop, or if you have nothing to do with the equipment whatsoever, you know, your dad wants a cat hat or your grandfather yeah. or somebody in your life wants a hat. So the cat I'm, hats I'm are they're pretty cat sticker bag. Yeah, see, there you go. <laughs> I'll, I'll bring you some the next time I come to forward. I'll, I'll, I'll try and get one from you next time. Deal. I, I just realized I'm literally the host of a Caterpillar sponsored podcast and I don't have a cat hat. We're going to oh, have we to work on that. that. That's okay. We can make that work. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, guys, I think that's all I have for today. Um, Matt, Adriana, any remaining thoughts on this topic or things that you want to leave the listeners with that, um, or I guess resources you think they should look into if they want to learn more or connect with you? Absolutely. I mean, I, I think the, you know, the thing we want to um, kind of leave the audience with is you're not alone. Um, we are as committed to you as the equipment is. And so reach out. Um, there's a, a ton of ways to access our SMEs. Um, we offer paid training. We offer free training. Um, it depends on you know where you are in the world, but um, we have people that are experts in this all day long, every day, um, that are here to help. And so, um, you know, don't feel like you got to do it by yourself. If you have questions, uh, if you have good feedback, bad feedback, uh, we welcome all of it. I only want the good feedback. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> our, our Yelp rating still pretty good. So we'll see how this yeah. after the podcast comes out. <laughs> Anything that you have to leave us with, Adriana? Just tagging along with Matt, right? CAT is not only known for its products or technology, uh, but also its people. Its people bring so many, whether it's solutions like Matt is saying. So if you're interested in any of the three, um, reach out, right? Uh, there's a big umbrella under Caterpillar. And if you tap into it, you're going to get more than you were expecting. So mm. we'll leave it out with that. I like it. I am convinced. I, You know, I wish I had a need for some Caterpillar equipment, but I work from home, so... <laughs> Backup okay. power. You know, when yeah. the storm comes through, we'll be there for you every day. <laughs> okay. Well, I will look into that. Um, guys, thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Energy Pipeline. I'm your host, Jordan Yates, and I'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Come back next week for another episode of the Energy Pipeline, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. To learn more, go to OGGN.com.